I want to read to you from the book of 1 Thessalonians. And uh, if you open your worship program, there's some thoughts on joy that I put in there for you. And uh, there's three verses. I'm going to read a little, few more verses than that, but I want you to listen to the Word of God this morning. These are actually difficult words to hear for many of us. Beginning at verse 16, chapter 5. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject whatever is harmful. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. He will do it. I have a concern this morning, not only for all of you, you know, for us preachers, it's often easy to talk to you. But um, in talking to you, I'm always speaking to myself as well. And here's my concern. Too many of us, too many of us have forgotten that joy, pure, unadulterated joy in Christ, is supposed to be an integral part of our Christian journey. There are too many followers of Christ who are simply grumpy, foul-spirited people. Now, of course, that doesn't apply to any of us, right? That's my concern. And here's the tension, right? We read in Scripture that we're to rejoice always. And I'm going to talk a little more about that. That we're to pray without ceasing. That we're to give thanks in all circumstances. That we're to live with this sense of, of joy and awe, and enthusiasm, and yet the realities of life keep us from doing that consistently, if at all. I'm convinced that one of the reasons that Jesus held children up as a picture of God's kingdom is because they so perfectly embody the joyfulness that God intended for all of His children, even us older children. Did you notice these kids this morning? If you could not see them, if you were up close, but there's a sense of joy and expectancy and sort of a, a free-spiritedness that, that is, uh, is awesome. And uh, they know about joy. They innately understand it. And watching them is one of the things, I think, that makes Christmas so joyful. As our kids have gotten older, it's been, it's been a little bit painful just to see that sort of thing change. Why is it that we adults, sadly enough, seem to lose the sense of joy this enthusiasm somewhere along the line. You know, perhaps it's the difficulties, it's the realities of life that we face that just seem to knock the joy out of us. We wake up one day and we discover that this childhood sense of awe and wonder and joy is conspicuously absent from our lives. And to me, that's a sad thing. To me, that's a sad thing. But as followers of Christ, as those who have been redeemed, have been set free as those who enjoy a personal relationship with God, joyless living is not an option. Joyless living is not an option. The truth is, a joyless Christian is a contradiction in terms. And I'm not talking about happy, clappy Christians, right? I'm talking about joy, a deep sense of joy, and I'll talk about that in a second. Well, these three verses that are in your worship program this morning, they get at this issue. They are, in fact 
imperatives. They are commands. They are intended by Paul to direct our attitudes and our actions. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Paul is saying here, Christian, follower of Christ, this is what you have to do. But we all know that feelings cannot be commanded, right? For example, telling someone not to be angry or not to be sad seldom works. Although, when I was growing up, that's kind of how I was parented. And uh, my mother will be listening to this tape at some point, so mom, my apologies to you. But it was one of those things, right? Uh, It wasn't okay to be sad. It wasn't okay to be happy. And I was told, you can't feel that way. You know, keep it even. Part of that's my Scandinavian heritage, right? We don't get too excited or too down about anything. We just sort of keep it even. But behaviors can be called for. They can be held up as appropriate. And that's what Paul does here. Let's look at just one of these commands this morning. One of these verses, and it's enough. Believe me, it's enough. Rejoice always. Since most of us have such a difficult time conjuring up joy, even during this joyful season, right, of Christmas, how in the world can we rejoice always? How do we do that? I hope this is a problem for some of you. I hope you struggle with this. You come across these passages in Scripture all over the place that tell us to do something that seems impossible. First, recognize this. Paul is not commanding us to feel happy. Happiness is our natural response to an experience that brings us a reward. That's what happiness is. For example, the University of Portland Pilots women's soccer team was happy when they won the national championship, and we were happy for them, right? Some of you will be happy to receive a bonus from your employer this Christmas. Some of you will be sad. (laughs) But please don't ask me to be happy when I've just smashed my thumb with a hammer or when someone runs into my car or when I lose a racquetball game to Rich Stanton. (laughs) I can't possibly feel happy about any of those things. But I want you to hear this. None of these things, all right, should have any effect on our ultimate joy and rejoicing in life. Do you agree? Those kinds of things should not ultimately affect this sense of joy that Paul talks about here. Throughout Scripture, we are called, we are commanded to be joyful, to rejoice and to give thanks, even while we're experiencing difficulty and trouble. In fact... James, in his letter, says this. He says, welcome trials and difficulties. Welcome them as friends because they come to build your character. Well, I don't know about you, but it's pretty difficult for me to welcome difficulties and trials into my life because I know ultimately they will build character in me. But that's what we're commanded to do. And it makes no sense to me to talk about this at all unless there's a difference between our experience of joy in our experience of happiness. Our culture, in a variety of ways, and our Christian culture, by the way, tells us you have got to be happy. Everything has got to be okay. And if it's not, you certainly need to make sure that people think it is. Because after all, that's what it means to be a Christian. The truth is, none of us can feel happy all the time. 
But I'm convinced that we can experience a basic sense of joy in our lives despite the circumstances that we face. We can experience a basic sense of joy in our lives in spite of what we face in life, the difficulties, the challenges, the circumstances. And this is why. The basis of our joy is Jesus Christ. The basis of our joy is Christ. Not the idea of Christ, but the person, the person of Christ. You see, Jesus is real. And in Him, we discover reality. And through Him, we're able to distinguish between appearances between the way things seem and reality, which is the way things are, the way things are. Happiness is tied to appearance, to the way things seem to be. But joy is tied to reality because it comes from Christ. It comes from Christ. This is so clear. When I speak with people who are living with terminal illness, who have experienced loss, who struggle who've lost a loved one, for example, for anyone in these circumstances, even those who follow Christ, pain, guilt, remorse, and a variety of other experiences and emotions are real. And they're intense. And they're raw. But they are not reality. They are not reality. They are not ultimate reality. As time passes, now listen to this carefully, reality, that is the reality of Christ in us, and Christ with us, and Christ for us on our side, that reality begins to transcend feelings. That reality begins to eclipse the feelings that were once so raw and so real. And for some of us, it takes a long time. The reality of God's love for us and His presence with us through our grief and our struggle is more than wishful thinking. It's more than some sort of religious crutch. It is true. I was listening to an audio journal that I subscribed to in my car this week, and it's a, it's a journal that, that talks about how Christian faith interfaces with our culture. And as you know, I mean, we, we, we are the products of a scientific sort of modern way of thinking about things, and everything can be categorized, everything can be proven, everything can be cataloged, and to the degree that we can do that, then that's true. To the degree that we we can't do that, those things are false. And yet what this person said, and I resonate with this, and I believe it's true, said the, the ultimate things in life, the things that are really true, the realities of life, cannot necessarily be proven. In fact, they can't often even be articulated. But that does not make them false at all. And I thought, you know, that's it. So when we talk about the reality of Christ's presence with us in our lives as we struggle and as we suffer, you can't categorize that or catalog that. But it's true. It's true. Pain and suffering are real. But the ultimate reality of Christ in us is more real. I've observed this reality and I've experienced it in my own life. During the darkest and most difficult times... Christ walks with us. That's the truth. We may not even acknowledge that or understand that or accept that, but the truth is that Christ walks with us. He shares our sorrow. He lifts us up. He encourages us along the way. This is why we rejoice, even in our difficulties. 
because of His presence with us. This is how Paul could be so bold as to command us to rejoice always. Because Paul knew the reality of God's presence in the midst of suffering. Even in the little trials and tribulations that make up our lives day to day, this holds true. It holds true. Well, back to the smashed thumb and the lost racquetball game. They appear, and you can, you can fill in. I mean, there's a lot of other things, right? They appear to be terrible things <laughs> at the time. They appear to be. But the reality of God's love in Christ is what shines through. The thumb will heal, and by God's grace, I'll live another day to beat Rich Stanton in racquetball. But God's love in Christ is real. When we know Christ is our Savior and friend, this relationship gives us an entirely new perspective, a real, honest, authentic perspective on life. Our relationship with Christ enables us, believe it or not, to rejoice always, even when we find ourselves in trouble, even then. It's something that we can choose to do however we're feeling because of the reality of Christ. During this Christmas season and in the coming year, May you, may I, may all of us experience the person of Jesus Christ and the reality of life in Him. That is my prayer as the pastor of this church day in and day out. For me, for all of you who come here, is that we might experience the reality of Christ. That that reality might make a difference in our lives. May we experience the joy of the season, the joy of knowing that we are loved unconditionally by God and that he walks with us throughout our lives, even in the midst of our most trying circumstances. Rejoice always. Amen.